Hey everyone, uh, welcome back. It's currently 11.32 a.m. here in Hawaii. Well guys, this podcast, I wanted to kind of cover a, a range of things really, um, especially regarding uh, you know, the whole war that's going on with Russia and Ukraine and what it's doing globally with you know, um, energy prices, you know, gasoline, propane, natural gas, um, electricity, uh, and then not only that, we have the the food side, right? Um, food costs are rising. Now, if we look back in history, history can always teach us something. And if there's always one thing that we can count on at some point within our lifetime or multiple t- points within our lifetime, there will be major disasters or there will be major wars um, that will happen. And major disasters and major wars always affect pretty much everyone to a certain degree how much it affects affects us as an individual or a family can vary depending on the event at hand and so back when i built my off-grid home i wanted to be self-reliant you know that that's the whole point of having an off-grid home is being you know where i don't have to pay electricity costs to the electric company you know all of these types of things and so um, anything that you can do along those lines to make your home, right, more energy efficient. And that can be anything from just changing out your light bulbs to LED light bulbs to help bring down that electricity cost or the electricity usage, you know, um, all the way up to having 100% solar where you don't, you're not connected to the grid to even using um, biogas for your cooking needs. Now, there's many ways to accomplish a lot of these different um, topics. And so I'm going to explain to you what, what I've always been planning and what I'm still doing. So I want to get away from the fact that I need to use any other types of resources as much as possible. Try to wean myself off as much as possible. Because for a lot of you that have never been to Hawaii, Hawaii is a great place. Don't get me wrong. It is an absolute great place. I love Hawaii. I, I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But with that comes a cost. Living in Hawaii, the cost of living is extremely high. Our fuel cost is, is normally high. Our food cost is normally high. You know, a lot of people that come over here for vacation or, or family members that come from the mainland that's never been to Hawaii, they're like, oh my God, it's so expensive here. You know, and it's kind of a shock for them. And they're like, how do you guys do it? You know, but when you're when you live in this type of environment, you're used to this type of environment. Right. So you have to adapt to make sure that you can cover your end, cover things to make sure everything is going to work for you. Now, um, with the whole thing with Ukraine and Russia, that's that's bad news. Right. That's not good. You know, but if there's one thing we can count on, not only is it happening now, but in the future, or multiple times in my lifetime at least, I can almost count on the fact that there will be another war, probably 10 times the size of what's happening right now, right? Um, And or there can be a major national um, disaster that will also cause the same economics to unfold. And so um, for my off-grid home, so I want to back up just a little bit. So I do own more than one home. Uh, I, I own my off-grid home, which is my home I love, you know, because it's, it's efficient. <laughs> I don't have to pay much for it. I pay, I pay the money up front for a lot of these things, 
but the benefit is just so so big it's just so big guys you know i'll give you guys an example my off-grid home is not connected to the grid it's not connected to any electricity you know a lot of you guys have watched my youtube channels um listened to a lot of my podcasts and you know you all of you are pretty much caught up to what i do in order to provide free electricity now when i first purchased my system obviously it was not free I, I did my own DIY system. I put my own system together. I experimented with different things. I tried different things to see what was going to be the best setup for me. So I utilize it wind turbines. I utilize solar panels, uh, electric solar panels. And I also utilize um, solar hot water heating panels, right? So when it comes to electricity and, and any of these other aspects I'm about to talk about, especially if you're living off the grid, yes, there is going to be money that you have to spend up front. But because the cost of living here in Hawaii is so expensive, I'll give you guys an example. Regular gas, regular um, gasoline, not diesel, regular gas is like $5 and like 20 cents a gallon. And it's only going up. Diesel is $6 to $7 right now. Okay. Just depends on where you're going. The prices are fluctuating up and down all the time. Um, But give or take, that's kind of where we're at. (coughs) In fact, I think... Last week, last week when I filled up diesel for my truck, it was five eighty, and that was at one of the cheaper gas stations I could find diesel at. Because I'm all about trying to save money, you know. All because you might have some money in your pocket doesn't mean you just want to blow it, right? You want to be savvy with your money, because the farther you can stretch your money and your investment, the better off you're going to be. So gas prices here are always expensive. I have I have never seen two dollars. Like I see a lot of places in the mainland where they have like a dollar or two dollars gas. I'm like, whoa, you know that's that's unheard of here, unheard of. You know we're paying five dollars or more per gallon at this point. Um, and if it's not five dollars or more, it's really really high four dollars per gallon. That's really expensive. Propane is also very expensive over here. Now, keep in mind, Hawaii, we do not utilize natural gas um, just because of how the, the Hawaiian islands are laid out. Um, do we have natural gas? We, we do, um, but it's only in a very certain area, and they're using it for um, um, power generation to feed back to the grid. Um, and those big companies are obviously making money from it because they're, they're processing that, that gas and using it for... Um, you know, spinning turbines, creating energy to pump back to the grid so they can get paid. But th- this, that's only in a very small area. And it's very unpractical and uneconomical to, to, to even try to run natural gas for the whole islands. It's just not going to ever happen. Just because of how the terrains are, how spread out everything is. Like, it, it's not like it, there's just one city and that's it, right? There's literally just people and houses and everything spread out on all all over the island and the terrains to get there is very harsh in a lot of places and not only that it's a lot of rock on some um on about half of this island is extremely all rock all blue rock extremely tough rock so to dig and trench through all that and deal with all that is very costly so no company is going to incur that but not only that we we don't actually have enough natural gas to supply everyone on the island so no one here uses natural gas in their home. We do not have a natural gas heaters. We don't have natural gas hot water heaters. We don't have natural gas anything. 
In fact, when we go to a store and we buy a stove, for example, or a gas dryer. So if I want to buy a gas stove oven or if I want to buy a gas um, dryer, they will actually come all natural gas. But we have to purchase a conversion kit to convert it over to propane, liquid propane. Because why? Because we don't have natural gas available to us. So, you know, when we start talking about what can we use, if we're going to be buying stuff from the grid, we can buy electricity from the grid, we can buy propane from the grid, and we can buy fuel, as in um, gasoline and diesel. That's it. That's, 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 all, that's all that's available to us. And it's expensive. It's at a very high premium. So, uh, you know, you want to try to wean yourself off of that as much as possible. It's very expensive to live here. And it seems like it just keeps getting more and more and more and more expensive. <coughs> Excuse me. So my suggestion is if any of you guys are into the renewable energy or you guys are trying to, you know, maybe just get started in like, you know, what's your first step, you know, explore what, what's available to you. My first, my first thing is if you're connected to the current grid, no matter where you live, start bringing down your power usage. Get rid of all those lights in your house and start switching everything over to LED. Okay, because this this is the way I look at it. When anytime there's a war, national national disaster that will get prolonged out, and no one really knows what the outcome is, everything will get priced increased. Everything, everything from food to fuel to um to just items and goods, even light bulbs. Everything eventually will will raise in in price. Right. So try to be as efficient as possible. So I'll give you guys an example of what's happening at my off grid home. So I have a brand new biodigester coming in, and it's a big one. It is really, really big. Okay, it's over, oh my God, I think it's like well, well over a thousand gallons. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty big biodigester. Um, I just got confirmation yesterday um, that it was shipped, and so it's on its way right now. Um, it's the tra- I, don't know, I, can't, I don't know if I can believe the tracking or not. The tracking saying it's going to be here in three days, but... Hawaii, <laughs> expect a week or more sometimes, you know, that's just how it is. And so I'm going to be utilizing this very big biodigester to supplement my propane needs, okay? Because I do have a, um, when I built my off-grid home, I bought brand new appliances. And I tried to buy energy, the most energy efficient appliances as possible. So I have a nice Samsung refrigerator that's electric. I have a um, nice Samsung dishwasher, and I have a Whirlpool um, gas stove, right? And then as far as um, like heating, um, heating water, I have um, solar hot water heating. I also have um, on-demand propane, and I also have on-demand biogas hot water heater. So I have on the hot water side of things, I have multiple streams of sources that I can always pull from in order to utilize the free energy that's available to me, right? Because we're off grid. So try to make everything efficient as possible. So what I've recently done is um, I'm actually, I got some really big, um, tall propane bottles. I don't know if they're 90 or 100 pounders. Um, They're pretty tall and they're pretty big. I got four of them and then I have... Um, a bunch of like the barbecue grill tanks. I got, I don't know, maybe six or eight of them. And what I'm going to be doing is um, I'm going to be filling all of them up. It's going to cost a lot of money to fill them all up. Or I don't even want to think about how much it's going to cost. 
But the reason I'm going to do that is because I want to prepare for um, price increases across the board if it does happen. And if it doesn't happen, then well, at least I got it at a cheaper price to begin with, right? So as it stands right now, um, the only things that would use propane in my home, if I so choose to do so, would be my cooking stove and oven, um, my on-demand propane hot water heater downstairs, and a propane um, heater inside the house to heat the inside of the house, okay? Now, I don't have to use the propane for my hot water because I have two or three other sources of heating, so I don't have to really use propane on my hot water heater. Um, now, as far as the stove and as far as the um, heater in the home, um, those run on propane. Now, because I purchased a brand new biogas system and I am solely going to be using biogas in conjunction with other things to help make sure that I can keep my costs low, save as much money as possible. And that way, if there was ever a really big problem where there's a national shortage of fuel or propane or whatever it may be, um, I know that I can still survive and just live life like nothing happened as far as energy is concerned, right? I can come to my house, turn my lights on, no problem. The grid isn't going to get shut down because I'm not connected to it. You know, um, I'm going to be producing my own gas like I used to um, because for about a year or so, I stopped with the biodigester because I had a leak on it. And so that I covered that in another podcast that I'm getting rid. Actually, I got rid of it pretty much, um, the old biodigester, because it was a, from a different company, different brand, and I literally had it for years. And it had a small leak and the leak just got worse and worse. And I tried to repair it multiple times and it just will not seal anymore. So I went ahead and purchased a brand new biodigester from a different company with way heavier duty um, materials. Let's put it that way. Way, way better materials. And so now going forward for my off-grid home, um, I do have my propane stove. Yes. And that is connected to propane bottles. So if I want to cook, I can cook. But I also have a um, biogas stove that is, that's going to be set into my island that I have in my home. You know, like you have a kitchen island. Um, because the main cooking source will be biogas. The propane stove and propane tanks and all that will be sitting there as an absolute last reserve for times where, let's say, the biodigester cannot keep up or something happens. I have a fallback, okay? But going forward, once I get the new biodigester up and running, I will not be using propane to cook. Now, the other thing is I do have a propane heater in the house, which in one of my earlier YouTube videos, I showed I converted it to biogas as well to show that you can work it on biogas or you can work it on propane. And that's actually what I'm going to do. I am going to convert my heater in my home back to biogas because I, I actually converted it back to propane because like I said, I, my last biodigester was giving me some issues because it was leaking and then I didn't use it for about a year or so. So I'm going to convert that back to biogas as well. Um, and then of course I do have my biogas on demand hot water heater downstairs that's connected. So going forward, I will be using wind power, solar power for electricity um, to, to keep everything running and turned on, lights on, refrigerators running, you know, TVs going and all that stuff. Uh, and then as far as gas is concerned, I will be solely using um, biogas going forward. Um, with the exception of having the propane um, appliances 
um, on standby if I ever need them. And then as far as the hot water heater is concerned, because I have three different heating sources for the hot water heater, the way it works right now is I have solar hot water heating panels outside, which are doing an awesome job. It's free. It just heats up the water, circulates the water into the hot water heating tank. And I got 140, 145 degree water pretty much every single day. Not only that, um, I have my dump load, the excess power that my solar system produces wired into um, that hot water heater. And the hot water heater I'm using is I think a 92 gallon. I think it's 92 gallons or more or maybe 192 gallons. The tag on the side of it's faded, so I don't know the exact number anymore, but it's either 92 or 192. It's a big hot water heater. It's big. And so, and it's just a regular hot water heater, but I converted it into a solar hot water heating system from my solar hot water heating panels. And then also the excess power from my solar system that I produce daily also throws all that extra power into the, um, the, the hot water heater. So essentially, I don't ever use the on-demand propane hot water heater system that I do have hooked up and is in line, and I could easily use it now if I wanted to, but I don't have to because I have a way more energy-efficient way of heating that water. Um, but I do also have the biogas on-demand hot water heater. And so um, that will actually be more of the backup. So for whatever reason, let's say um, there's we have terrible weather for weeks on end, and the solar hot water heating panels outside are not producing too much hot water. Um, and vice versa on the solar system, let's say that there's not too much. Every day there's excess power, no matter what. But how much excess power on bad days is, is the question, right? And so let's say we had the worst days possible. And so I can't rely on the excess power going to the hot water heater. I can't rely on the solar hot water heating panels to heat that water. Well, then I can fall back to the on-demand biogas hot water heater system. But since I've had this house up and running um, for, I don't know how many years now, um, and since I've implemented the systems that I have, I've never had a problem. It just runs and it does what it's supposed to do. But there was a lot of thinking, a lot of planning in order to make sure I got everything hooked up the way I wanted it to be hooked up, right? And so my point is, is that find ways to be more energy efficient Save your money, right? And just be more long-term for your future, you know? This biogas digester um, that I purchased <coughs> can essentially um, produce, I think it was um, six hours of cooking per day on a double burner stove, okay? Six hours per day, every day, I don't know any. I don't know about you, but I don't cook for six hours straight. Even if I was cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it it's doesn't. I'm not. I'm not cooking that long, <laughs> right? Let's say I use in not even an hour, or let's just say an hour to cook breakfast, and an hour or so to cook lunch, and an hour or so to cook um, dinner. That's still only three hours, or a little over three hours. So there's still going to be a lot of excess gas that's not being used right? Which I'm going to be continuously producing. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to be using that obviously for cooking. I'm going to use it for heating, but I'm also going to be saving a lot of the gas because the system is so big. I, there's, I'm not going to be able to consume all that gas. So that means I want to be able to store it in like in a big battery 
or a big gas tank. And so a while back, I purchased some really big biogas bags, some really heavy-duty thick bags. They're big, okay? And all the excess gas um, will be going into a following uh, another biogas bag. It's just a gas bag. There's no digester in it, no nothing. It is just a gas bag. So the biodigester I got has a huge gas bag already. But I'm going to be tying another one in conjunction with it that way, I can just capture every ounce of biogas as much as possible and fill those bags up. Now, those bags that I'm talking about that I purchased a while back are big. They're really big. They're massive. So, there is, so essentially, once I get the system up and running, I am just going to let it produce gas for, for a while. I'm going to feed it, do its thing with food scraps and whatever ounce I have. Just let it do its thing. And I'm going to let it fill up both bags. Maybe not the big bag all the way to the top because it's such a huge bag. But I'm going to allow it to start filling another bag up. And when I'm talking about big bag, guys, it's big. It's not like a 10 by 10 bag. We're talking it's huge. It is. <laughs> it's huge. So I'm going to have so much extra biogas available to me that I will never have to worry about gas needs again. I could, once I fill up those bags and get everything running, I could essentially just run the stove 24-7, run the um, heater in the house 24-7, run, you know what I mean? I could just run things 24-7 and not really have to worry about it. Why? Because the biodigester is big enough and producing enough gas that there's just no way for me to technically consume that much gas per day. So that means I'm always going to have excess gas producing over time, Right. Now, with the exception of the biogas slowing down in production and picking back up, there will be times like that, depending on how much I'm feeding it and when I'm feeding it and that kind of stuff. So there's going to be times where it's going to be producing like crazy amounts. And there's sometimes where it's going to be producing, but not a whole, like not crazy amounts, right? So I'm going to use the biogas bag that's coming with it, plus my own additional bags as a big storage and have that on reserve, right? Now, here's the interesting fact about this. Because I'm going to be saving so much gas, and essentially it's in a bag, which is non-pressurized, okay? It's not a propane tank. It's non-pressurized, which means it's very safe. Even if I was to, you know, poke a hole into it and light it on fire, it, it, it wouldn't explode because it's not pressurized at all. It is going and that would be it. You know, just and that's it because it's not pressurized. So there's no explosion. There's nothing like that. So it's very, very safe gas. The other thing is too, is that if for whatever reason we in the future, which we can pretty much always count on at some point in our lifetime or multiple times in our life, that there will be another war. Might be small or might be the biggest war we've ever seen in our lives. Or it might be the biggest national disaster that we've ever seen in our lives. And at that point when we cannot get fuel anymore or the fuel cost gets so high that it does not make sense to purchase fuel anymore because it's just outrageous. Then what are you going to do, right? So if I'm having such a big reserve always on hand for my off-grid home, if my other family members need gas, I can essentially supply them with gas for free. If You know what I mean? Like all they have to do is convert their stoves over to biogas, which is very simple and very easy. And instantly they can come to my house and fill up their own bags, you know? But I think I have some extra bags that I could even fill up for them. And then they just come pick it up and use it. And when it's empty, they can come back, you know. So there's always ways that you can make things work, you know. And I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about the worst case scenarios. You just never know. But even without the worst case scenarios, 
just by doing what I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be living so much more efficient, saving so much more money and just being happy because I'm basically creating my own energy at this point with my own food waste and whatever else I have is going to be creating the extra energy that would normally have just gone into the trash anyway. So think about it, guys. Think about it. Now, I would never be talking as much about biogas or solar or wind turbines or anything like that unless I truly, truly believed in them, unless I actually tried them firsthand. And let me tell you, I have tried them firsthand. I have used them firsthand. And let me tell you, it's a wonderful feeling to be able to produce your own energy, regardless if it's electricity or biogas or whatever it may be. It is an amazing feeling because you are independent. You do not have to re rely on, you know, the government, the, the gas companies, the food chain to a certain degree. It's another thing I want to cover. So any of you that have a little bit of extra land, you know, maybe in your backyard might not be that big. And some of you may have some big properties like, like, like we do. We have some really, really massive properties. And for us, we're ranchers. And so we also have cattle. We have sheep. So we have an abundance of food to us as far as meat is concerned we will not starve when if anything ever to happen because we have we have too much cattle we have too much sheep we have a lot of land a lot of grass so when it comes to the the food chain side of things when it comes to the actual meat we're going to be more than okay we're going to be okay for a lifetime or more easily because when you kill or slaughter one um, had a cattle, that's a, a lot of meat. There's just no way for you to eat that in one day. It is impossible. I mean, you're talking a lot, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of meat available to you to cook. So it holds you over for a very long time, a very, very long time, right? And because we, the amount of cattle and sheep that we have available to us, there's just no way that we would go hungry. Now, the only problem we would have is mixing up our diet. <laughs> um, you know, just eating meat, meat, meat by itself is, can be pretty bland, right? You need something to substitute it with or go with it. And that's when other things like rice or vegetables and that kind of stuff comes into play. And so that's another thing I want to talk about is having a garden. Now, a lot of people want to make this massive, big garden. Don't make a big garden because it's going to take you more time and more effort to maintain a really big garden. Build the garden that you need. Don't build the garden that you want. Okay? So what I'm saying is this. The byproduct of a biogas digester is extremely high-quality fertilizer. Extremely high-quality fertilizer. Okay? And every day that I'm putting, you know, food scraps or whatever into the biodigester, on the other side of the biodigester is the output side. Stuff that's already been digested. I've, the biodigester has already sucked out all the, most of the energy as far as methane is concerned. But the, the quality of it for um, fertilizer is extremely good, really good. And so if you plan your system like I'm planning mine... All the excess stuff that comes out of the biodigester, I will be using 100% to feed my, my fruit trees, my plants, and my garden because it's 100% safe. It is, it's been 100% digested. 
And that's another reason why I went with a really big biodigester. Because by the time I put something in, the retention time that it sits in there, by the time it comes out, it'll be 100% liquid. But not only that, I have taken out as much as I can because the retention time in the biodigester is really long that I've been able to sap out as much methane out of the system and then also use that as the byproduct for um, fertilizer for my plants and um, garden. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be designating a new place for a garden and I'm going to grow and build a garden that is what I need, not what I want, right? Because the thing about a garden is if you ever need more, you can grow more. But a lot of people want to grow really big stuff and a lot of stuff. And the next thing you know, you can't even consume half the stuff, you know, which is okay too, I guess, especially if you have a biodigester because you can throw that stuff right back into the biodigester and create more methane and more, um, you know, uh, fertilizer along the way. So there, there's that part of it. That That's probably the plus of it. <laughs> but a lot of times people don't consume as much as they think they will when it comes to like, you know, your gardening and stuff like that. So start small. See how well it does. And if you feel that you need to go a little bit bigger, then just go a little bit bigger and go a little bit bigger as time time goes on and you'll figure out what's going to be the perfect size for you. But if you say, oh, I'm going to go and de designate one whole acre to a garden, you're crazy because you don't know your needs really. You don't know how long and how much effort it's going to take to maintain that. So my, my plan is to build a garden that's going to be very efficient. That is the key with a garden, is being extremely efficient. The less labor I have to put into it but can still produce a good yield is a win-win. So, as you guys can see, I'm planning things a certain way in order to make sure that I'm always going to be self-sufficient and always have what I need for my family and for myself. Now, let's talk about something else. The other homes that I own are on the grid. I own two other homes and they are on the grid. Now I do have grid tie solar systems on those homes. So my electricity bill is very, very low. Uh, I think I only pay $200 a month, which is still a lot of money, right? Um, but those homes were pre-built. I did not build them, um, but I own them. And so um, my, my, my process is this, is that my other home that I have, which is on the grid, which is on the completely other side of the island, is a is another place that I can go to get away sometimes. So I like to sometimes get away from the ranch, get away from out here, because sometimes it's just, sometimes, to tell you the truth, it's miserable out here. Why? Because it's so windy and so dry sometimes that you just want to get a different scenery, just get a different location. And where my other home is located is in a completely different environment, 100%. Completely in different environment. Not dry, not windy, the complete opposite. More wet, more forestry, a lot, ton, just like just tons of trees, you know. And so that other home that I'm speaking of, I've also been slowly working on converting that home over to being 100% efficient. Now, let me give you guys an example. I was paying $600 a month or more for electricity at that home at one point. And then I got sick of that. I'm not going to do that. So I went and I removed every single light bulb in that house. And I went and found the most brightest, most lowest watt LED lights I could find. I literally went through different stores, looking on the back of the boxes, like really weeding through these LED lights, right? And I would buy one little box and I would come home and I'd test it to see how bright it is. 
because my goal is to have the brightest light possible with the lowest wattage as much as possible. And so the, the other house I'm speaking of uses um, light bulbs that are 4.5 watts and is about a 60 to 90 watt equivalent. And I think some of the bulbs we have is a 100 watt equivalent and it's only 4.5 watts. So I was able to bring down the electricity on that home a lot because it was using old style light bulbs that was just burning up electricity. So I switched them all out and that started dropping my electricity down. And then I also turned my hot water heater that's on that property um, into a smart hot water heater. I took an old hot water heater that's just common, most people will have, and I converted it into a smart hot water heater. And that also dropped down my electricity costs a ton, right? Now, the only thing that I, that I have not done yet out there, which I will be doing, is installing a biogas system out on that home because that home uses um, electric stovetop, right? An electric oven. And electric ovens consume a ton of power. And so I'm going to be converting that property over to biogas as well. We will leave the electric um, stove and oven in place, but I'm going to be installing a biogas stove next to it. And my goal with that other house, just like my goal with this house is to use 100% biogas for our cooking needs out there. And if we can still produce a lot of gas on the other home, then I'm actually going to try to wean myself off of the electric hot water heater and put a on-demand biogas hot water heater. Because then that way we can get away from using that um, electric hot water heater. It'll still remain there, but it, it'll be off, not being used. And if for whatever reason we need it, it's still there as a backup. So you guys can kind of see my trend here of what's happening. And the same thing with, the, with the, all the fertilizer that comes out of that biodigester. We're going to be making a small garden at that property. So I don't need a really big garden at any one of these properties because I'm going to have a small garden here and I'm going to have another small garden at my other property. So that's the goal. That is the goal. And I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited. So the first system I purchased was quite expensive. The, the biogas system that I just purchased is quite expensive. And I don't agree with their pricing on it at all. I'm actually against their pricing. Um, but I purchased it and I'm going to give it a shot and see how well it works. Um, if it works good and it does what it's supposed to do, um, and I don't have no issues with leaks or any of that stuff, um, then I will be buying a second system for that other home that I'm talking about. Okay. The third, um, property that I own because of the way it's set up. I did make it energy efficient as far as turning the water heaters into smart hot water heaters and putting all really low wattage um, bright LEDs in. That has helped out a lot. But as far as everything else, because that the way that property is set up, I can't go into too much details about it. Um, that property is as, as efficient as it's going to get for that third property that I own. Um, and that's okay. I'm going to leave that property alone and, and maybe in the future I'll revisit that property. But for now, I have the two main homes that I want to focus my energy on, and that's what I've been doing. Now, here's something interesting I should cover. So I have a gas dryer downstairs. I have a washer and dryer. But my dryer is gas because I didn't want to put a big strain on my solar system because I wanted to have that excess power for hot water heating and just have extra power. And a dryer does consume a lot of energy, especially when you're drying multiple loads 
right? Now, keep in mind, I do have a clothesline outside that I utilize, and I'll utilize that most of the time. But when it's bad weather and not sunny or wet outside, obviously a clothesline will not work outside for you. It's going to take forever to dry your clothes. So having a um, dryer, either electric or um, gas, is your next best bet to make sure your clothes is dry on time so you can go and do what you need to do. The interesting thing is my dryer that I purchased, like I said before, when I purchase it, it comes as a natural gas appliance. I actually had to go to another company and purchase the correct orifice to convert it over to liquid propane. Funny, right? <laughs> Costs more money. Oh, and not to mention, you have to actually tear apart the whole dryer. Like literally, you have to tear it apart, take the barrel out and take, the, take everything apart. Just to change out this one little thing. It's just ridiculous. But this is what, what we have to do. <clears throat> so that gas dryer that I'm speaking of that I have on my off-grid home, um, it's, I, I never converted it yet. I have the orifice, and actually today was my, my plan to convert it over to propane. And, the, and you guys might be thinking, well, why are you converting it to pro propane if you have, you're thinking about using biogas for everything? Well, here's the thing. The biogas digester is not here yet, and it'll still take three well, – well, it depends. It depends. It can any, take anywhere between five, to, five days to three weeks for a biodigester to start producing. Now, I, I have lots of experience with biodigesters, so my goal is to have it up and running within a week. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to make it start up running in a week. But I have to plan. Just in case it doesn't, there's still another three weeks – just in case I can't get it up and running right away, there's going to be three weeks of still, you know, I'm going to be not able to dry my clothes because we've been having some bad weather lately. So I'm going to convert it over to the propane side of things for now um, because I have all these bottles filled and I can dry my clothes. The other thing is once the biodigester is up and running and it is producing a lot of gas and I have that reserve in those extra bags, then at that point, I'm actually thinking about converting it back over to biogas. Instead of natural gas, just convert it directly back over to biogas. But I don't want to do that yet until I know how the system is going to perform and see what the reserves I will have on hand at any one time, right? Because the last thing I want to do is just burn up all that gas, drying clothes, and then not have enough gas for everything else. So we'll see. So that's the, that's the only one that I'm going to be playing with a little bit to see which one's going to be more efficient, which, is going, which one's going to be more plausible um, to continue for the future, right? Because I don't want to have to keep switching between propane or biogas and back and forth because every time I do that, I got to take the whole thing apart to, to remove the orifice or put the orifice back in. So there's a lot of work that goes into dealing with that. So we'll see. Now, the other thing is, too, I technically could get a uh, electric dryer and run electric 100% I could I have enough power to do it but I want my my solar system a solar electric system to last a very long time right very very long time and so the less strain I essentially have to put on that system the longer it's going to last for me right it's kind of like think about like a car engine right let's just say that you're you're sitting still and you're letting your car idle, okay? Well, your car can idle for a very long time until the gas in the tank runs out, right? But, but there's not that much strain on the engine because it's just idling. Well, let's, let's do the same scenario. You have a full tank of gas. 
But instead of just sitting there idling, you have your foot to the floor on the gas pedal. And that thing is just rah, screaming. Well, guess what? You're still using the same amount of gas, but faster. And you're putting a lot more strain on your engine and components, which will end up breaking down or blowing up. Right? And so that's the same theory when it comes to like your solar system or anything else. You know, you don't want to be maxing it out all the time on a regular basis because you're just prematurely burning up your components or wearing them down, wearing them out. So, you know, lots to think about there. So, yeah, I just wanted to cover this little podcast about what's going on um, recently. Um, The bulldozer is broken down. The radiator actually blew up. (laughs) Uh, not Not to be surprised. Um, so, uh, I brought the bulldozer down. I put water in it to drive it from the back of the property where we're ripping out rocks with the ripper. Um, uh, I brought it down and we had our uh, family friend, diesel mechanic come out and he's, he actually removed the, the whole front of the bulldozer to remove that radiator. And we're going to send that radiator to the same place that I took my, my oil cooler and my Bobcat radiator to, to have them recore it and get it all back up in operation. So we're basically on pause for maybe two or three days at least on the fence line because we have to have the radiator for the bulldozer record. Um, so in that time, I'm going to be doing other things, um, tidying up some loose ends, trying to get ready for the biodigester to arrive. Um, there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of other things that I'm going to be implementing and I want to be documenting as well. Now keep in mind, guys, I am documenting a lot of the stuff I am doing. I just haven't released any of the videos just because some of these projects are incomplete, like the fence line, the bulldozing, that kind of stuff is incomplete. The biodigester is coming in, so I'm going to be covering all that stuff. Um, you know, so there's a lot of information um, that I still need to be able to put together and finish up to make a video for like you know YouTube and stuff. So, but a lot of you that listen to the podcast, you guys get it raw, you guys get it firsthand, you guys knows knows what's happening. So, anyway, guys, be efficient, stay efficient. Think about the future. Think about what could happen and how it could affect you. You know? Think about like that. I'll give you an example. So I have my own family, right? I have my wife. I have, um, um, not, they're not my kids, but my stepkids. And so, um, you know, we, we live in both different, um, places on the island. You know, we, we, we all live together. Don't get me wrong, but we go back and forth a lot, right? Because we, we have a ranch house, obviously, that we all love being at, the off-grid home, which is really nice. And then we have our townhouse, right? And our townhouse is more close to everything. It's got paved roads and all that stuff. And so we go back and forth all the time, you know? And so I want to be able to, to make both homes as efficient as possible. But at the same time, let's say that things got the worst case scenario. Well, and, and we need to live for free, like 100% for free then my off-grid home is the sanctuary, 100% the sanctuary because I got free electricity, free, just free everything, right? So my off-grid home is the, is the last Mohican. Let's put it that way. If anything ever happens, not only that, we're high up in the mountains, we're not in town. So if anything was to ever happen, it, it'll take a while to get out to us. And then at that point, I can, you know, we can defend ourselves or do what we have to do to to make sure our families are safe and 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 healthy. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Think about what I said. Find ways to be efficient. You'd be surprised. Just by making some small changes, you can start saving a lot of money. Right? 
And then not only that, you can convert completely over to where you don't have to use any of these things anymore, where you can be efficient, create your own energy and be happier. You know, sure, it's going to cost a little bit of money up front. Sure, it's going to take a little bit of work up front to get everything set up. Sure. But the trade off is a lifetime is a lifetime pretty much. You know, if I continue running this, my solar system the way it is, it'll, it'll last decades, decades and decades and decades. As long as I don't abuse it, right? As long as I don't start maxing it out and pressing the gas pedal to the floor, right? So, you know, think about it, guys. I promise you, it'll save you in the long run for sure. So thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned. I'll update you guys as it comes along and we'll go from there.